of Luke, amen, Luke chapter 17 and beginning uh, verse number 14, amen, Luke 17, 14, a familiar uh, passage of scripture in this particular book of the Bible, amen, Luke 17, 14, and when he saw them, it's speaking of Jesus, when he saw them, he said unto them, go show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back with a loud voice, glorified God. And he fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus answering said, were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? They are not found that return to give glory to God, save or except for this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Amen. I'm going to wait tonight till I get about halfway through the message before I give you the title. So when you hear the title, amen, that'll give you hope that I'm halfway through. Amen. Hallelujah. But I want us to lift our hands and our voices together right now, and let's ask the Holy Ghost to anoint and talk to us. God, I thank you for your presence and your power, your anointing, God, that's in the Spirit tonight, oh God. I pray, oh Lord, for the anointing of the Holy Ghost to be in this house. Anoint, God, the ministry of your word, the delivery of your word tonight, I pray. Let your will be done in this house, your name glorified, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Ten anonymous men diagnosed with what's considered perhaps to be one of those feared and dreaded disease of Bi- diseases of Bible times. It's often referred to as the oldest recorded or known disease. In the last three or four years, some 200,000 new cases of, of leprosy were reported in 16 countries, with India accounting for more than half of those. About 200 of those cases occur here in the United States on an annual basis. But in Bible times, leprosy was a debilitating disease which the Jews considered to be a punishment of sin or a sign that God was displeased with an individual's life. It was a painful, infectious disease characterized by sores and white shining spots beneath the skin. Its symptoms would start in the skin, it would start in the peripheral nervous system and then spread to the hands, the feet, the face, and the ears. The victims of leprosy would experience disfigurement of their skin, the twisting of the limbs, the curling of the fingers to form this characteristic claw hand. There were facial changes that included the thickening of the outer ear and the collapsing of the nose, and common functions would become very, very complicated. Vocal cords would weaken and turn a strong voice into a faint hoarse whisper. And because of the loss of feeling due to extreme nerve damage, fingers and toes would often become mutilated and simply fall off. Not only did leprosy infect its victims, but it also would isolate them. Once they were declared to be a leper by the priest, they were taken to a place. They're all required for them to 
be driven out of their home and families and quarantined, if you will, to their own colony on the outside of the camp or the village or the city. It would not be long before a leper's spirit would become broken. His self-image would deteriorate and he would consider himself unworthy of love or companionship. Anything or anyone they touched was considered to be as unclean as the leper himself. So to prevent the disease from spreading, whenever they would come within six feet of anyone, they were not allowed any closer than that or within 150 feet of anyone on days that the wind was blowing. And when a normal healthy person would approach, they would cry aloud, unclean, unclean, warning them not to come any closer and to prevent contagion. Not only did their cry identify them, but their appearance identified them. They would wear torn garments. Their hair would go unkept. On the surface, they looked undomesticated and barbaric. But if you could see beyond the facade of that fevered flesh, you would see men who were depressed, amen, dejected and desperate. I'm not sure who told them. I'm not certain how the word arrived and their little colony on the outside of town. But somehow these ten men found out Jesus was going to come nearby. And because of their disease, they kept their distance. But it did not silence the voice of desperation. Amen. These men were desperate. And with weakened voices, they cry with the best of their ability. Jesus, Master, have mercy upon us. Amen. It did not matter who was watching and what everybody thought because when you're getting desperate for a change in your life, when you're desperate for a move of God, when you're desperate for a touch from God, you're not worried about how you look, how you act, how you sound, what people say, what people think. All that matters to you is touching Jesus. And though their voices are weakened by leprosy, he came near enough that they could get his attention. Regardless of where you are right now, how long you've been away from God, or what condition you are in, there's still enough voice left in you. There's still enough prayer left in you and praise left in you. Amen. That will capture God's attention. If all you can do is whisper the name Jesus, if all you can do is barely get out a hallelujah, say it and say it with everything you've got in you. God will make it easy for you to get his attention. I feel the Holy Ghost in this house right now. And Jesus will do for you what he did for them. When you mix faith and desperation, God stops and God speaks. You will never lay faith at the feet of God and watch him turn and walk away. Faith moves God. Faith prompts God. And without explanation of how their obedience would be rewarded, Jesus simply said, go, 
show yourselves uh, to the priest. Uh, they came looking for a miracle. He said, turn around and go back. Uh, go to the priest. Uh, why do that? Uh, the only time you go to the priest uh, is to be inspected for healing. Uh, can you imagine what these ten men are thinking uh, as they look down uh, and see hands, uh, missing fingers, uh, feet, missing toes, uh, and they say, we don't feel better, we don't look better, and you're telling us that it's time to be inspected for healing. How do you respond to a word from God when it contradicts your circumstances? What do you do when what God says and what you see are diametrically opposed? It's very simple. You just do what God says anyway. You obey it. You act upon it. Because the word of God carries you beyond the realm of common sense and common knowledge and moves you into the realm of faith. Sometimes you just got to worship in faith. You got to pray in faith. You got to walk in faith. Faith is the door that opens only after you have walked through it. Faith does not hope that something happens. Faith helps something happen. Faith sets something off in the spirit. Faith does something that God can ignore. And the Bible said that as they went, they were cleansed. With every step they take, healing begins to flow in their body. Fever begins degrading. Pain is subsiding. Strength comes back into a decaying limb. All of a sudden, instead of dragging the leg, they're able to walk. Amen. As strength comes back into that body. And one of those ten men, the Bible said, when he realized, when he saw that he was healed, turned around and with a loud voice, a voice a few moments ago had been weakened by leprosy. Now with a loud voice, begin to glorify God because he concluded the priest can wait, but my praise can't. I've got to stop right here and praise him for what he has done. Protocol can wait. Ritual can wait uh, right now I just need to praise him for what he's doing for me and Jesus said did I not cleanse ten men where are the nine only one returned to give glory to God and he said to a returning worshiper arise go your way your faith has made you whole How can 10 men attend the same church service, hear the same message by the same preacher, and nine of them only leave with their healing, and one may completely whole? How 
How is it that some would walk out of the door of a church on a Sunday night and say, I didn't get anything out of that tonight. I don't know what the preacher was trying to preach. And another go dancing out the door saying, tonight, God did everything I've been asking him to do. Everything I've been, because, may I suggest that the reason why some don't receive what they need is they don't respond when the Spirit of God begins to move upon Well, I may need a bodyguard out of here tonight. Hallelujah. How did one receive more? Because he did more. His worship did something for him that the other's lack of worship could not do. Oh, God. That's why worshipers are always witnessing the miraculous. I challenge you, uh, amen, mark it down, keep a record. But the same people you always see worshiping God uh, and shouting and dancing and praising, uh, it's not ironic uh, that it's the same people who are the first to jump up and testify about how God made a way and how God came through uh, and how God provided. Because when you begin to praise him, uh, when you begin to worship him, uh, he activates his power and he does more then you can ask or think. Oh, somebody ought to praise him right now. Praise him like you need a miracle. Praise him like you need divine intervention. He was the man of whom God, the Bible declares that he feared God and shunned evil. The greatest, richest man of the East, God blessed Job. Seven sons, three daughters, 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camel, 500 yoke of oxen and donkeys, many servants. But the devil put him on trial for the sincerity of his faith. And on one day he lost it all. Talk about a bad day. I've had some bad days. But I don't think I've had a bad day like Job had a bad day. Before one messenger could deliver his report while he is yet speaking, another interrupts with another report of bad news. The Sabians have come and taken the oxen and donkeys and slain the servants. I'm the only one to escape. And while he's yet speaking, second messenger walks in. The fire of God fell. It burned up your sheep and servants. I am the only one to escape. The Chaldeans have taken your camels and slain your servant. I am the only one that Escape. The fourth messenger said a wind from the wilderness collapsed the house. Your sons and daughters and servants died. I am the only one who escaped. His three friends who came to comfort him are instead of mostly and verbally persecuting. His wife said, Job, why don't you just curse God and die? But when you're going through the trial, you can't let your enemy do your thinking for you. You've got to get the mind of Christ. He's emotionally alone. He's tormented and confused and angry. And against his wife's advice and against popular opinion, the Bible said that Job arose. He rent his mantle. He shaved his head. He fell upon the ground and he worshiped. Naked came I out of my mother's womb. Naked shall I return. The Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. Yeah. 
Notice, amen, the arrangement of that phrase. Job did not say the Lord gave. Blessed be the name of the Lord, and the Lord had taken away. He said the Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord because whether God's given or God's taken, my response is the same. Blessed, I'm going to worship him. I just can't stop praising his name. I just can't stop and in the end, God gave to Job twice as much as he lost because praising God for your problem will end the problem. And praising God for the blessing will extend the blessing. There's something about your praise that God loves. I know the birds can sing and the ocean waves can roar and the trees wave their branches but nothing moves the heart of God like the praise of somebody that's walking through the fire, that's going through the trial. Nobody can praise him like you can praise him. Your neighbor can't praise him like you, your companion, your children, your parents. God needs to hear your voice. God needs to hear your praise. You want to get God on his feet, get your hands in the air, and some praise coming out of your mouth. They were given the ultimatum. At the sound of the music, you bow down and you worship the image that the king has erected or you're going to be thrown into the furnace. And with unwavering faith, three Hebrew young men replied, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us. He will deliver us out of your hand. But if not, there is no plan B. Our worship is reserved for one God and our worship is not based on what we can get out of him. It's based on what we found in him. And we're going to praise him. There is no plan B. I am totally convinced tonight that hell cannot do much with somebody that's got a made up mind to live for God. I'm not the pastor. I'm not trying to be. Amen. But you can live for God if you want to. You can be used of God if you want to. You can be victorious if you want to. You need to draw a line in the sand and say there's no alternative there's no option you ought to turn the tables on hell right now you ought to make the devil feel like a lion in a den of Daniels greater is he that is in you And they exit that furnace without even the smell of smoke in their garment. Their devotion and their dedication and their praise to God preserved them and protected them in the fire. Your praise will keep you. Your worship will bring you back. Let's love the Lord right now in this house. So what is it that these ten former lepers 
one rich man and three Hebrews have in common. I can almost hear the conversation at the happy reunion of surviving lepers. As nine of them expressed gratitude just to be alive, to be reunited with their family and society. And though the obvious scars and the missing fingers and toes tell their story, they're just happy to be healed from leprosy. And they're talking about how their life has moved on. Amen. But there's one. They look at the tenth man and say, there's something different about you. You weren't just healed, but all of your members have been restored. You are completely whole. You have both ears, ten fingers, ten toes. You don't have a limp anymore. You don't look like you ever had leprosy a day in your life. Your flesh is that of a child. Amen. Go with me to Job's house. His friends now praise him. Look at you, Job. You don't look like somebody that's been to the bottom. Look at the oxen and donkeys, sheep and camels. You have amassed. You don't look like you ever lost a dime a day in your life. As a matter of fact, right now, you have more than you've ever had. Can you see the enemies of the Hebrews as they exit the furnace and those soldiers say, your flesh doesn't feel warm, your hair isn't singed, your garments don't smell like smoke, you don't look like somebody that had to walk into a fire, but less someone that just stepped out of one. What I'm really trying to say and what I want to title the message is, is you don't look like what you have been through. I said you don't look like what you have been through. I've come to preach to somebody that feels like a leper. Every day you feel like you've been discarded, abandoned, left alone. Every day felt like a death sentence. You feel distanced by your disaster even though it wasn't your choice. It's not what you had planned. It wasn't supposed to be this way. You've asked God to help you. I'm here to tell you your help is in the service. By faith, you need to thank God for the help that's on its way right now. Maybe God hasn't done everything you wanted him to do yet. But what he has done thus far merits your worship. When he realized he was healed, he turned and began to worship God because sometimes you got to praise God for the progress you've made. It's not easy, but if you can get a hand back in the air and a hallelujah to come out of your mouth, when you get through worshiping tonight, you're not going to look like what you have been through. I feel a healing in this house right now. God's going to bring a change to you. Huh? Huh? He turned, he turned and worshiped God. Hallelujah, because your praise point will always be your turning point. I said your praise point will always be your turning point. If you want God to turn it, praise him. You want God to reverse it, praise him. You're not going to look like the other lepers. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. You're not going to look like other people who have gone through what you've gone through. God's going to do more than touch you. 
God's going to restore you. God's going to make you whole. Healing is in this house. I'm preaching to Job right now. Everything's been stripped from you. Your family, your possessions, your contentment, your faith, your peace, your sense of self-worth. God, I feel the Holy Ghost. I have felt this for a few days for this service. Hallelujah. Maybe I'm just preaching to one, but I'm going to preach to you right now. But the one thing that hell couldn't take from you is the one thing it never could take from Job. You never lost your praise. And in the face of your adversity, in the wake of your trial, somebody needs to say, I still got to praise and I got to get it out. There's still a hallelujah. I may not have a job, but I got to praise. I may not have money that I need, but I got to praise. Blessed be the name. I don't have an answer to my dilemma, but I got to praise. I will not look like what I've been through. I feel a release of the power of God in this building right now. Come on, sir. Come on, ma'am. Come on, sir. Praise him. You ought to take your companion by the hand and worship God. Hell's come against you. Hell's come against your home. Keep praising him. God's going to turn it. You're not going to look like what you've been through. God's getting ready to rest. I feel restoration in this house right now. Come on, take your neighbor by the hand. Lay your hand on their shoulder and let's rejoice in the Lord. There's healing happening in this service right now. I want to tell you, sir, God's going to restore everything that's been taken. I feel that strongly, prophetically in the Holy Ghost. Your day is coming. There's a turning, my God. You have felt the pressure like the Hebrews to bow down and give up. But I come to tell you, regardless of the heat, regardless of the consequences, don't quit praising. God's with you. And when you come out of this, you're not going to smell like you've been through the fire. Oh, God. Oh, there's something happening in this place right now. I feel something shaking, uh, something breaking. Uh, in the name of Jesus, uh, healing. Uh, in the name of Jesus, restoration. Uh, in the name of Jesus. Come on, there's still a song in you. You just need to sing it. There's still a dance in you. You just need to do it. There's still a shout in you. You just need to let it come out right now. God, I feel a turning. I feel.
your restoration. You will not look like what you have been through. Your best days are not behind you. The hand of God is upon you. The Spirit of the Lord, the anointing of God is upon your life. Praise Him through it all. You're here tonight and you don't have the Holy Ghost. Look around. You see people shouting and worshiping. What you don't realize and what you don't see is what they used to be. Let me tell you, we're just a group of people with, <coughs> with past and priors that we're not proud of. We weren't always Sunday school teachers, ushers, and singers and musicians. Hallelujah. We know what it's like to be dead to the power of sin. Have chains wrapped around us. We know what it's like to toss and turn and dealing with guilt. We know what it's like to be bound. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Adulterer, fornicator, uh, the, the abusers of themselves with mankind, the thieves, the covenants, the reviler, the extortioners, uh, the drunkards, uh, and such uh, were some of you. Hallelujah, but we don't look like what we've been through because when the blood touched us, it turned chronics into choir members. It turned sinners into singers and saints. When the blood covered me, it gave me a new name, a new identity, and a new beginning. I don't look like what I've been through. Come on, let's praise him right now. Oh, there's healing in this place right now. Shipwreck, snake bit. Everybody waited for Paul to die. The Bible said, and when he should have fallen down suddenly, when he should have swollen and fallen down, but instead he shook off that beast into the fire and felt no harm, and he kept standing. He didn't look like somebody that had just been snake bit. I'm preaching to somebody tonight. You have been through the storm. The ship has been battered and broken. Hallelujah, you survived that only to be bitten by the snake. Hell tried to attach your spirit and pump you with venom and poison your praise. Hell expected you to give up and die. The devil planned on you waving the flag of surrender. He thought he had convinced you to stay home, become bitter, and quit church and walk away from God. Just the fact that you showed up for church tonight confused his hell. 
He didn't expect you to be here tonight. You were supposed to be in your despair and defeat and depression. What hell didn't expect was for you to dust yourself off, pick up your garment of praise, stand to your feet and say rejoice, not a Against me, oh my enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord will be my light. I will not look like what I've been through. That which should have eliminated you is going to elevate you. That which should have paralyzed you is going to propel you. It's detrimental how you respond in this situation. Because the people of Melita now believe, amen, that when Paul shook off that beast, that he expelled all the poison off the island. And it's reported that children that are born in that place do not fear snakes, neither are they hurt by anything venomous. What are you saying? I'm, re- I'm saying your response could save your family right now. Your response can kill that serpent. Shake it off of you right now. Come on, shake it off of you right now. Shake off the despair. Shake off the discouragement. Shake off that spirit of defeat and depression. How I feel victory in this house right now. You might want to tell your neighbor, give me some room. Let me out of this pew because I'm getting ready to praise God like I've never praised him. I'm getting ready to shout like I've never shouted and dance like I've never danced. I don't have time to be cute. I don't have time to be dignified. I don't have time to be pretty. Amen. I'm praising for my life. I'm praising for my deliverance. I'm praising for my salvation. I'm praising for my family. I'm praising for my health. Tonight, I'm going to dance this trouble away. Tonight, amen, I refuse to leave here looking like what I've been through. Tonight, I'm putting my foot on the devil's head and I'm going to dance on everything that's trying to destroy me that's trying to take me out I'm going to declare victory I refuse to look like what I've been through Come on, sir. Come on, ma'am. You're praising for your family right now. There's a healing happening in this place. God's healing a wound right now. You may not feel anything but praise him. 
You may not feel victorious, but praise him. You may not see victory, but praise him. Hallelujah. You will not look like what you have been through. There's a shifting. There's a turning. There's a victory in this house. for the victory weapons are not bombs and guns worship I can't I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't stop praising him. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. How magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Praise him. Praise him with a psaltery. Praise him with a heart. Praise him with a dance. Let everything that hath breath praise him. Come on, something's turning. Something's shifting right now. I'm about to give it back to pastor. Amen. But I want you to praise God with everything you've got in you right now. This is not what hell expected out of you. Restoration.
Lord, we thank you.